Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Mask. Last week, Sharon and Jeremy talked to CRNAs Tafford and Lori Oltz about their experiences in the first and only CRNA antitrust law victory. If you haven't yet heard the first part of the story, go back to episode 66 to get caught up on the details of the Oltz versus St. Peter's Community Hospital case. If you have been keeping up, We'll buckle up for a surprising turn of events as Taff and Lori describe how the final years of this lawsuit played out. Now, on with the show. So Taff, why don't you tell us about the pretrial settlements and the summary judgment? Yeah, this is the interesting part of the case, or most of it. Pre-trial, all four of the physician anesthesiologists had separate counsel representing them at depositions. During this discovery period, Neither the MDAs nor St. Peter's Community Hospital produced documents from the folders. Our counsel took separate private depositions. The first MDA to testify was Dr. Leon Clausen, who was married to a CRNA, non-practicing though. He left Helena about a year after the exclusive contract was granted. Dr. Clausen stated regret for being involved with the MDA actions informing Helena Anesthesia Associates. His deposition was honest and cooperative. That's because his wife had finally let him out of the basement where she had chained <laughs> right. him up for behaving badly. <laughs> yeah, well, this gets better. Well, during most of the litigation, Lori and I worked uh, in night, starting in 1980 at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, where I was first the appointed the chief CRNA, and I was a uh, consultant to the pain clinic, and then I became the administrator uh, for the department and got an MBA, and then assistant to the chairman. And lastly, I, along with Dr. John Tinker, was the chairman of the department and the dean of the College of Nursing, Geraldine Felton, established the first University of Iowa Master Level School of Nurse Anesthesia. Wow. And then I was appointed the interim, interim director. Taff, you had a little bit going on during this time. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. It was, gr- it was good. 
My um, goodness, he's a glutton for punishment. Let me uh, go back to school. Let me let me like change jobs. Actually, <laughs> I believe Taft's got me yeah. beat. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, before I took a promotion to be the administrator and then vice chairman or assistant to the chairman, I told Dr. Tinker in confidence about the litigation. Afterwards, we never discussed the litigation. Nobody ever asked. But shortly, this is, this is interesting, shortly after the first depositions, I had just gotten home from, it was probably 6 o'clock, and I had just gotten home from the hospital. And Dr. Clawson called, and he just said, Tappert? I said, yeah. He said, this is Leon Clawson. It surprised me, I mean, out of the blue. And I said, Leon, how are you doing? He said, I'm sitting here in the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics lobby, and I'm not leaving until we talk. Mm. So I said, well, Leon, I'll call you back, or call me back in, in 10 minutes. I called my, our counsel and received instructions of what we could say to him and what he had to agree to. And I left, and I went over and picked up Dr. Clausen, brought him to our home. He sat on our couch, and he cried visibly cried. He said it had almost destroyed his marriage. I and bet he was so. so sorry that all this happened. And he agreed to talk to our attorneys without counsel and to provide a settlement of $62,500 plus agreed to a second private detailed deposition as a hostile witness for the plaintiff at trial. Mm. And then plaintiff counsel can cross-examine him and he has no legal counsel representing him. And remember, all of these settlements are not covered by insurance. So whatever settlement you get is out of their pocket or out of their retirement. Hmm. Hmm. So the remaining physician anesthesiologists didn't come to Iowa. But what they did do is they called a former ASA president who was on the faculty of the University of Iowa, who phoned, then phoned the chairman demanding Lori and I be fired. <laughs> When the faculty member walked into the chairman's office, Dr. Tinker's office, he was informed that Olsons know all about the MDAs contacting you, and the Olsons counsel is bringing their contact to the attention of the court and the defense counsel. If the department gets involved, we could lose our positions, not the Olsons. Wow. Wow. Our litigation was never a topic of discussion, and the comfortable relationships we had with the, with the MDA faculty and staff did not change. When we took two months of vacation in Montana, which was estimated how long this trial was going to last, many of the anesthesiologists made special efforts to tell us, have a great time, but we will miss you. Ah, so they knew what was going on, and that was their... They did. Signal yeah, to because you. They were members of the ASA, and I'm sure that, that, that he had, uh, the, the former president, had talked to them. The remaining three anesthesiologists were deposed three times and consistently denied under oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and denied any plans or organized activity to terminate me via an exclusive contract. At the end of the third deposition of the same anesthesiologist, the folder was brought out. When the anesthesiologist was shown a letter, he questioned his signature on the letter, and our counsel offered to get a handwriting expert 
This anesthesiologist <laughs> got red and purple in the face and admitted that the signature was his. The next anesthesiologist paid $100,000 plus being a hostile witness for the plaintiff. Wow. The same time that this was going on, St. Peter's Hospital's chief of staff, who had been an orthopedic surgeon prior to the exclusive contract, received a subpoena for depositions. The surgeon who had relocated in New Mexico did not use me because he didn't carry any malpractice insurance and the hospital didn't require it. Oh. Hmm. He was instructed to bring any and all documents and any recordings related to the exclusive contract. The surgeon brought a box of documents, many of which were in the folder, and the chief of staff was a previous copious note-taker with detailed documentation of conversations and meetings with the board, the medical staff, and the MDAs. The box also contained a tape recording directing one of the anesthesiologist defendants how to set up selection of an exclusive group. The hospital subsequently engaged the Horty Law Firm but St. Peter's failed to follow the firm's recommendation. The last two anesthesiologists paid $150,000 each, plus agreed to be hostile witness for the plaintiff. <laughs> At trial in federal court, very large blow-ups of the documents were placed next to the anesthesiologist giving testimony. Our talented trial lawyers had all the MDAs and the MD prior to the exclusive contract as witnesses for me. Wow. <laughs> Talking about turn the tables. Oh, yeah. my God. I bet that was something to be a f- in that courtroom. <laughs> that one guy said, oh, I don't know if that's my signature. <laughs> yeah. mm. Well, you know, and we were, we had essentially during the entire time this trial was going on and prior to this, we'd saved all of our vacation. We went out on va- when we could get time off and we worked locum tenants so that we could pay for everything that was sure. going on because the costs were humongous. Mm. A day before the trial, the hospital offered $50,000 to settle the case, and we said, no, we're not going to. We're not going to go. $50,000. Wow. Huh. That was yeah. uh, half that- of your copy bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For one day. Oh, yeah. my God. So, all right. So what about the post-trial rulings? Tell us about that and dismissals and appeals. Lori, I'm sure you've got a great handle on all of this, since it sounds like you could have been the attorney, for goodness sake. I saved a lot of money in the uh, out-of-pocket cost because I did it. I photostatted and copied all of the depositions instead of paying $3 a page for um people to do it and i did a lot of retail it's the gopher did a bunch of stuff (laughs) Mm -hmm. it sounds like it anyway post-trial the uh, trial court very uh, strongly supported the liability verdict and that uh, was no question about that but then the judge didn't quite know he may have made an error in damages by not considering the um, issue of joint venture meaning that they could have looked at both of our incomes and used my income to offset his. Anyway, so it went up to the Ninth Circuit. We, uh, I mean, we waited a few years. You always wait a few years to get a decision out of the Ninth Circuit. And the Ninth Circuit upheld liability, returned the case for retrial on damages. 
pre-retrial, the court granted summary judgment that joint venture was not an issue in the trial. Mm-hmm. And only task loss of in could be considered. Now, at this time, the hospital was on their fifth step of legal counsel. And wow. I think this is the counsel that came up with the Miranda decision. These law firms were getting bigger and more expensive and a lot more free with the filings. The court was also on its third judge. The judge that had tried our case um, was deceased, and so we had a judge that really didn't know anything about antitrust. Oh, my God, you wore him out. (laughs) (laughs) Wore him out, yeah. And anyway, the defense came up with an argument that the viability only applied to that first the term of the first exclusive contract, not the renewals. It just applied to the contract that terminated TAF, not the renewals. And since the settlements that we had reached pretrial were significant, the damages were more than paid for. And the court saw it out, and he said, yes, and he dismissed the case. So we went back to the Ninth Circuit. We Mm -hmm. waited a couple of years, and the Ninth Circuit decided that the case was reinstated that the term of the that Tafford had been driven from the anesthesia market he wasn't there and so that his damages as appropriate in the first trial were for his work life as we were approaching this retrial on damages our second economist in this case had utilized 12 years of billing data from the Helena Anesthesia Associates eliminated that 10% that they had charge for their litigation fees and the caseloads that they had and very, very, very conservatively calculated tasks, work-life damages. He had an earlier retirement and he had a more restrained caseload, et cetera. And he reached a determined that determination that with under economic certainty, and that's a pretty stiff term, damages exceeded $1.5 million. And also, pretrial Taft's attorneys made a uh, motion for summary judgment for the cost of a one-way airline ticket to St. Croix. And that's where Taft had gone to work after he left Helena. And the court granted that. Our counsel had now just secured all attorney's fees and costs in the litigation. Wow. They were pretty good. They did a lot of calculating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. This is some story. (laughs) It really is. Wow. So yeah. how, how long did it take to close this case? And we, we know that you guys probably can't tell us what the settlement was, can, but can you tell us a general idea of the cost it took for so many years of, of all these legal expenses? Sure. You know, over the span of case, there were multiple required, an example, settlement conferences that I said earlier on the West Coast. The defendant counsel stated during these settlements, we'd get out there because Lori and I were required to go because we were the only ones that could make the decision as to whether to settle or not. And so we had to go to the West Coast. So that meant that the the trial attorneys had to go, we had to go, we had to get time away from work because they didn't occur on weekends. And we had to fly our attorneys out there. We had to fly out there. Everybody stayed in a motel and food and whatever. And the settlement conferences would would say the attorneys say well we don't have authority to settle these cases Uh, we have to take it back to our board well this occurred three or four times and it was just a stalling technique Mm -hmm. deep pocket 
theory that eventually we'll run out of money. Right. You'll just give up. But, right. Go away. Yeah. But before trial on damages, the court ordered a settlement conference for the first time the court required all 24 St. Peter's Community <laughs> Hospital board members, Jeez. not just the council, to attend. Whew. The judge explained to the board that the damages were $1.5 million and that there was an automatic troubling, plus attorney's fees and all costs, and you could lose your hospital. <laughs> wow. The so, so they came the out? Scenario. The 24 board members came out? They came out. They were required to. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's awesome. Well, the result of this was the hospital made an offer we couldn't refuse, but we had to sign a disclosure note that we couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Right. But the hospital refused to offer a settlement on attorney's fees and costs. They said, well, the settlement on damages was more than adequate to cover fees and costs. So we filed for summary judgment on fees and costs. The court awarded the $1.65 million as requested by us. The court accepted the 7% interest rate on the AANA loan to bring costs to present-day value. I recovered, or we recovered, 350000 in cost with the remainder to go to the attorneys. Mm-hmm. In addition, the court awarded a Lodestar inflator to legal for a landmark decision, and St. Peter's did not appeal. Mm-hmm. In antitrust cases, you have to remember that you cannot recover the cost of expert witnesses and the expert witnesses' costs were approximately $100,000. So y'all paid that out of your pocket? We did. Mm-hmm. Plus all the other fees for travel and everything that I've explained before. Oh, my gosh. Do you have any idea what that totaled? 350000 350000 wow. But Lori did a lot of the work, so we weren't charged <laughs> yeah. for it. Oh, my. You didn't get reimbursed, Lori. Goodness. Oh, I did. I did. I had a little thing with half going, and I did get that great big honking diamond. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I oh. like it. So why don't you just kind of put a big bow on this, Taff, and give us a, uh, some final thoughts on it. Jeremy and I are just sitting in here just absolutely wide-eyed about this. Again, we are just so thrilled that you guys joined us to tell us this story. So, Taff? Well, you know, I, I practice as, a, as an independent competitor of the anesthesiologist from 74 to 80, and as I said, I'm forced to leave by an exclusive contract in violation of the antitrust laws. The old case will benefit CRNA independent competitors if the three-pronged criteria for antitrust violations are present. We knew of a copy of the Ninth Circuit upholding liability resolved an issue for a CRNA friend who is having staff issues in Arizona. Likewise, a nurse practitioner in Montana gained settlement with an antitrust action within several years. In most populated areas, most hospitals lack market power and have good reasons to control hospital-based practices of anesthesia, radiology, pathology. As evidenced in the Minnesota whistleblower litigation, CRNAs and MDAs working together in the anesthesia care team model have significant Medicare supervision requirements. 
CRNA MDA groups might consider independent CRNA practice with available consultation might offer improved reimbursement, more effective use of OR time, and increased personal satisfaction. This litigation changed our lives. We never considered working in an academic setting, supplementing anesthesia with legal involvement, medical legal involvement, it was expert witnessing cases, uh, getting an MBA and involved in administration, involved in continuing ed- in professional education seminars and developing friendships with outstanding CRNAs and MDAs. In 1994, we left the University of Iowa and returned to Montana providing anesthesia and pain management for four small hospitals along the Montana Canadian border. In 2005, we both were recruited to Kalispell Regional Medical Center, who had never had a CRNA, to provide chronic pain management services. We retired in adjacent Whitefish, where in the early 70s we purchased land for retirement. I retired in February 2012, and Lori retired in June 2016. for CRNAs out there that have an issue, you, you need to look at our case. Our case was instrumental in protecting the rights of CRNAs from being pushed out by MDA competitors if they violate the antitrust laws. It took 16 years, 16 years of every day thinking about the case, every night thinking about the case, saving vacation time, saving money to pay for bills, but it was done on principle. We didn't know we were ever going to win this case, but we thought for a CRNA who loved his job, who wanted to work, and took the patients first, we had to do everything we could do to preserve that. Wow. Well, in closing, Taff, is there any, any additional thoughts you'd like to get across to our, our CRNAs? Yeah, I mean, every CRNA is going to have issues with employment issues, but you have to be careful. You can't decide that without careful consideration about how much time and how much effort you're going to put into a case and whether it's going to be reasonable return on, on your investment. It was lucky that we did, but without the folder that we had, without the support of the surgeons and Dr. Bossler, and the nurses, the nurses went out and got a petition that presented to the hospital board with 5,000 signatures on it saying that I should ever have been discharged. Yeah. And, you know, that's what you have to think about. Is it, can I afford it? Can I afford what it'll do to relationships, being forced to move out of an area that you had never planned on leaving, and maybe terminating your career? But luckily it didn't. Well, it sounds like things lined up for you and then you're <laughs> tenacious uh, following through on this um, led to an ending that you could live with, and even though it took 16 years of, of time and effort on both Taff and your part, Lori, to bring this thing to fruition. And you know, I would like to add one last thought. Um, there seems to be a CRNA, MBA war in some areas. And a lot of MDAs, are, are the best, most interest in our case came from anesthesiologists. And a lot of anesthesiologists like working with CRNAs. And I think today 
you know, in India, I've had the fun of doing that in Texas, doing some locums, where the CRNAs were independent, the anesthesiologists were independent, somebody ran the board, and they were having fun. And then because of the whistleblower case later, they had to go back to this real controlled system of anesthesia. You know, it was holding up the OR list. It was boring everybody. You know, it, it wasn't a good way to do things. So there are other ways you can do things and work with anesthesiologists that are fun. And um, I think a lot of CNA should look into that. And more than the last thing is the old case is still out there during the time that I got my MBA at the University of Iowa. Olds versus St. Peter's Hospital was the major portion of the uh, MBA administration and the law course that I had to take. So I think I could help them, and I knew a lot about it. Oh, and we were at Iowa, too, and they also did a mock trial before we went to the real trial. They did the mock trial in the law school, mm-hmm. and we won. Oh, so right. we of course. <laughs> well, that was a good predictor right there. Yeah, it was a good predictor, and it was fun. We met a lot of fun people. Well, Sharon, I have to say this has been one of the most interesting podcasts that we've done. I know, right? And, you know, this is going to be preserved for a long time. And and 70% of our listeners are from 23 to 34 years of age. So you are educating a whole new group of CRNAs by joining us on this podcast. And we can't thank you enough. Well, thank you for having us. We certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. And thanks, Sandy, for getting you guys in contact with us. She always has great ideas, and I think this has been one of the best ones. We know Sandy well, and we've all worked on continuing education programs together for a long time. She's a good lady. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Thanks to the AANA for their support in this, and uh, we had a lot of input from, from other CRNAs during the time that we were making our battles and uh, the AANA was through support of us. All right. Well, we want to thank you for being here. Sharon, I think that's a wrap. I think it is. Uh, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our other episodes on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. But make it positive. Until next time. It's a wrap. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. 
OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.